Beloved by God Church, let us begin our service before the Lord. Let us stand and confirm the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ be enthroned within our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your name for the great privilege to be upon this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your name. Allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted up to heights that are unreachable for us and destroy all burden and sin that binds us. May in the service, as previously, all the works of the devil be cursed, illnesses, poverty, untimely death, demonic dependence, all matter of fear, depression, destruction, error and ignorance, all of this may depart from the tents of your holy nation. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might, and may your saints be clothed into your salvation and rejoice before your face. Give us more of your spirit, saturate us with your Holy Spirit, allow us to find your great face. We thank you that the service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your godly hands, and we pray, lead it with a powerful and mighty arm, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The book of Matthew 5, 45 and 48. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Call to perfection. We know this promising commandment what kind of commandment? To be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And for us not to forget it, the Lord has written it in the Gospel of Matthew and presented it to us in the series of the sermons of Apostle Arkady. And this commandment is the inheritance of saints of all times and generations, and the commandment is addressed by Christ Himself strictly to his students. Therefore, we will study the primary sign by which we need to judge that we partake to the perfection of God, and this is by our ability to clothe our essence or ourselves into the holy or the selective love of God. But above all these things, put on love which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And so this amazing phrase how short and simply it is stated that love is the bond of perfection. If a religious person says love is the bond of perfection, no one will understand anything. To be able to see the beauty in it, it is necessary that the person who says that love is the bond of perfection, that this love actually abide in him. Which is why it is immediately followed by and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. And so the rule of the peace of God in our hearts, needs in the hearts of every Christian, uh, happens because the love of God is the bond of perfection. 
this beauty first needs to be in the heart and then it needs to of course be stated with our mouth according to the given place of scripture the rule of the peace of God within our hearts is only possible upon one condition and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart and we will be clothed into the selective love of God and unlike the tolerant and egotistical love of man the selective love of God differs in the fact that it contains the burning zeal of God his omniscience and his absolute wisdom that in no way can be used for corrupt, greedy, and egotistical goals of man. Due to this, it is specifically the power of the selective love of God that is called to destroy the stronghold of death within our body and erect the, the resurrection of Christ in its place within our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ in the form of our new man. It's not possible to do this with tolerant love. Tolerant love cannot thrust out the old man from within our body. It can't do this. One of the charismatic leaders heard the sermon of our pastor that love needs to be holy and selective, not uh, not tolerant. And he said, this is the first time that I've ever heard this. Everyone preaches that love needs to be tolerant why do you say that it is not tolerant tolerant is uh, in physics and in, in chemistry and biology tolerance is a weak immune system if we're talking about biology this weak immune system of a person that cannot uh, produce antibodies against uh, different things that try to get into our body to reprogram our cells. That means that this person has a tolerant immune system. It is not able to produce antibodies to be able to battle with other another program, a genetic program that comes into the body. When a person has tolerance, then it is not the church that goes into the world, but the world goes into the church. Why is the church today overfilled with uh, such individuals? You don't even see in the world because they teach about this tolerant love. They are not able to battle and are not able to produce antibodies against what is in this world. The selective love of God can abide and demonstrate itself exclusively within the atmosphere of brotherly love, where we pass from the state of eternal death into the state of eternal life. 1 John 3.14-18 through 18. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer can, can have eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And so it's... It's hard to say sometimes how to do this when people ask uh, 
tell me how to do this in practice. Here, in this place of scripture, it actually describes how to do it in practice, how to serve your brother, how to serve your neighbor. When a person is born from God, he is offered a choice, either to enter the state of death and become dead to God and useless for every good work, or enter the state of eternal life, which he was not familiar with until this moment, and becomes useful then for every good work, and a demonstrator of brotherly love. And speaking of brotherly love, we were given four questions to answer by what signs do we determine the people included in the category of brothers for whom we are called to lay down our life so that we can demonstrate brotherly love in our faith, that is, who is our neighbor? What purpose is the selective love of God called to fulfill in our brotherly love for one another? Third, what conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can demonstrate the selective love of God in our faith and brotherly love? And fourth, by what signs do we examine ourselves that we have brotherly love for one another within the selective love of God? And we continue to study question three, what conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can demonstrate the fruit of virtue in our faith within brotherly love. And we already looked at a few of them and we'll stop on the sixth and go on fourth from there. Let's list the ones we've studied. First, to demonstrate the fruit of virtue in your faith and brotherly love, it is necessary after putting away lying to speak the truth each one to one his neighbor because we are members for one another. Ephesians 4:22 through 25, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed by the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God and true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. An amazing promise that we hear continuously, but it's good to read further so that to put off, be renewed, renewed and put on, this will allow us to also put away lying and speak the truth to one another. And so what does it mean to put away lying? This is very closely uh, linked to our promise of putting off our former way of life, renew our mind by the spirit of our mind, and put on the new person through confession. And so this is, say, the first neighbor. And the second is putting away lying. To put away lying is to conceive and bear righteousness, that we need to grow into fruits of righteousness, so that with this fruit you can confront fruits of deception, whom the wicked one has conceived and bore within our body. Uh, deception cannot be confronted, say, with just the, the simple will of a man. Or as you would tell a child, you promise you will never lie to me again. Can you give this kind of promise yourself? You speak in tongues in the church. You say things, you do good things. But can you promise never to lie? Why? You can't because 
that's not how you get rid of it. You're not, you can't be rid of this uh, deception in this way. You need that the righteousness of God be at the gates of our lips. And so two warriors are within the gates of our lips, uh, deception and truth. And so they will battle with one, one another. Deception, partial truths also when people try to manipulate in some way also are deception. To put away lying is to put away lawlessness from your body. To put away lying is to remove the carrier of deception from the throne of your body by casting off the old man from yourself. And also putting away lying is wash away deception from your heart and evil thoughts by confessing with your lips the new information that we put into our heart to to wash away deception in our heart and put away evil thoughts means that there's a new program written in our heart we have a evil program and to be able to get rid of this evil program you need to put in a good program as we know, in a computer, uh, you can uh, put in a program that will be able to function or work as a memory. <clears throat> and all computers are uh, limited to what, how much they can do, of course. And so we, we need to receive the program of righteousness and confess it. Then the devil will not be able to write his program within us. Say, for example, images and other things that I look on the computer or on the internet, they then follow me and, and torment me. Every negative video or image, it has a program. And so as soon as you confess the truth of God uh, and proclaim it, this truth of God, uh, you are able to eliminate or remove this program that's been put in uh, the negative one from the videos or images you've looked at. For example, these uh, these files and documents, they need to be removed. Uh, be, receive the truth and begin confessing the truth. And all these images and videos and other things that are in your mind, the program you've received, all of this begins to, uh, you, you begin to eliminate it from yourself when you confess the truth that you have received. This was the first. Second, to demonstrate brotherly love in the selective love of God agape, it is necessary to not devise evil against your neighbor when he dwells by you for safety's sake. Proverbs 3.29 Do not devise evil against your neighbor, for he dwells by you for safety's sake. This happens when we, uh, when we grow within ourselves jealousy and this then demonstrates itself in hypocrisy when we say one thing and think a different thing inside. And so it's when our mouth and our heart don't work as a team. It's necessary for if our lips <clears throat> are blessing our brother, then our heart needs to be doing the same thing. And how does this happen? Through brotherly love. That's when we know we have passed from death to life. Third, 
to demonstrate brotherly love <clears throat> in the selective love of God agape, it is necessary to not infringe on the landmark of your neighbor, which the men of old have set within our lot. Deuteronomy 19.14 You shall not remove your, your neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set in your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. To infringe upon your neighbor's landmark is something that happens when first in our personal essence, in ourselves, there is an infringement of landmarks happening. Even saying uh, deception, the first person we deceive is first ourselves, and then we begin deceiving others. It's the same thing here. Do not infringe upon the <clears throat> your neighbor's landmark. You need your soul to not infringe upon the landmarks of your spirit. To infringe upon the landmarks of your of your neighbor. Happens when. Uh, when you are not in control of your feelings, but also uh, when the soul uh, infringes upon our heart, infringes upon our spirit, and our soul has in its responsibilities our feelings, our emotions, but not our heart. This is within our essence, and let's see how this happens in the Church of God. To infringe upon your neighbor's landmark, in the churches when we ascribe the thoughts of our neighbor to ourselves and that is the person that is placed by God, the messenger of God who speaks the revelations of God but we uh, claim them for ourselves we ascribe them to ourselves, we claim that we ourselves received it from God personally infringement on the landmark of your neighbor also occurs when we using our position and our authority within the church we uh, force our personal will, whims and desires and say that they are God's will. And we force the fatherless widow and stranger to fulfill our whims. It's, for example, as a leader of a cell group uh, has an initiative. God did not tell him or pastor did not tell him he should do this, uh, but he makes people do this and the saints then suffer. This is infringing upon the landmark of your neighbor. Any initiative in the Church of God which infringes upon the landmark of your neighbor needs to be examined by the Apostle first. Needs, I need to not establish any, any initiative of any kind until I check with the pastor. And the reason is because they affect the saints and their landmark. This is very important, and this is specifically uh, the uh, for the leaders of the cell groups that they not tell them the things that pastor did not tell them. For example, you can't tell somebody not to park in one parking spot or a different. The entire parking lot of the church is private property, belongs to the church, and I don't need to be claiming certain spaces or not claiming certain spaces or telling someone where they should or shouldn't be parking. And so any, again, initiative that comes to mind needs to be checked with the one that is above us.
Fourth, to demonstrate brotherly love in your faith in the holy love of God agape, it is necessary to hate the wicked and workers of iniquity. Psalm 5, 4 through 6. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. And so who is this uh, wicked person? This is a person who replaces his, his own personal deeds, uh, God's deeds with his own personal deeds and says these are God's will. A wicked person is a person who does not acknowledge in the Church of Saints the order of the body of Christ. And this is led by a person who is God's messenger. Someone who does not acknowledge this order is a wicked person. We're talking about brotherly love here. Fifth, to demonstrate brotherly love in your faith, in the love of God agape, it is necessary to not cheat and not rob our neighbor whom we hired to work for us and his wage should not remain with us till morning. Leviticus 19.13 You shall not cheat your neighbor nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. Here it's talking about the literal in the literal sense when we hire someone we need to pay him if we have an agreement uh, if I if I told them that I will pay uh, I told someone working for me that I will pay him on this date or this amount then I should do it uh, it's also talking about our our essence as well something needs to happen before the setting before the before the morning and this is the relationship between our spirit and our soul and the relationship our soul our soul with our spirit because our soul can steal from our spirit and can steal from the Holy Spirit as well our soul can steal our spirit from our spirit robbed from our spirit and from the Holy Spirit to rob your neighbor as your spirit who is in the state of brokenness is to ascribe the reasonable virtues of your spirit to the soul to withhold the payment of your to your neighbor which is our spirit in this case who is in the state of brokenness is not to acknowledge the governance of the Holy Spirit over the reasonable abilities of our soul And so what lessons ha has our has, has our soul learned today? First, I need to acknowledge the governance of the Holy Spirit over the reasonable abilities of my soul. And my soul needs to not ascribe the reasonable abilities of my spirit to itself. It needs to absolutely depend upon the spirit. And so the the reason this happens is so that our spirit can get be broken and the brokenness is so that we may become a fragrance so that the father and son would be able to sense the fragrance on earth and when he senses this fragrance then 
This will allow the sun to resurrect the dead and to rapture the living. And this will happen when fragrance will happen. When, when will will be they will be able to detect that that fragrance from us. Sixth, to demonstrate brotherly love in your faith, in the love of God agape, it is necessary to forget the things which are behind and reach forward toward the goals for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We'll talk about it in a little more, in, in a little more depth. At Philippians 3.13.14, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. To forget those things which are behind is to forget the bitterness of failing or of falling and celebration of victories and not rely on past good works. As soon as we begin to rely or trust or in past good works and boast about prior acts of faith, we immediately lose our status of a Nazarite in our dedication to God consisted in the seven braids which are braided upon our head. Judges 16, 19 through 21. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and she called for a man and he had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. All that we can trust in striving for the goal consisted of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus is upon the mercy of God which is contained in the treasury of our hope consisting of the precious promises of God placed upon our account in Jesus Christ within our heart. Not trust upon our victories, our knowledge, our experiences but trust only upon God's mercy. Samson said, I will rise as before. The Lord helped me before but something's changed. Now you can't act in the same way that you did before. Now you have passed from, say, the the, perf- uh, the acceptable will to the perfect will or the good to the acceptable. And so God then no longer helps until you begin fulfilling new conditions or other conditions to be able to uh, have further victory in your life. And so, relevant to this, we need to ask the question, by what characteristics can can we identify the reward of our inheritance, consisting in the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus? In Scripture, there are three categories of saved people, and three individual rewards for which man has paid a price in three separate from one another losses and gains. Three categories, the category of the male child, the category of the woman who bore the child, and the category of the other born from the seed, others that were born from the seed of the woman. The category of the male child are the 24 elders and four living creatures. The category of the women 
or the woman who bore the male child are the 144,000 firstborn. The others born of the seed of the woman is the multitude of the saved. Of the three categories that inherit salvation, only one category will possess the prize of this upward call, for which the paid for which they paid a price of their obedience, striving for their calling unto death and the death of the cross. <coughs> Second Peter 1, 10, 11, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so our reward depends upon our call, and our call depends on our election. In Hebrew, the word call means rank, status, difference, position, virtue, glory, power, and calling. And so we are all looking for the greatest or the upward call that is in Jesus Christ. Because for this upward call, there will be a great reward. We will have the ability to continuously see Yahweh face to face. Sometimes, sometimes people say, well, why do we need to look to the reward? Um, this is uh, the ability to be able to see the Lord face to face for uh, for the rest of our uh, our future and so to be able to see it you need to have this great reward and to have this great reward it is necessary to have a great call and to have this great call you need to be uh, elected Esther for example she didn't ask for anything except what the eunuch of the king told her to wear and she re received favor in the sight of everyone. She only chose the things that uh, the eunuch of the king had told her. All the rest of the women that were there told 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 the, them to bring them all kinds of different things. Anything that they wanted, they brought them. But she had wisdom, and she asked. Uh, she asked the person who actually knows the heart of the king, what does he like? And she asked of him, she inquired of it, and he told her everything that he, he, he that she should uh, put on or use. And so, for example, in this church, someone may say, well, is there a king in this church? For example, there's a king and there's a church, and you ask, uh, "What shall we serve him?" and and you, one will say hamburgers and fries, and another will say something else. And so obviously, he won't be pleased or or it, uh, drawn to you for for because the, the wisdom is not showing. And so God uh, elects you and then calls you. And so when you ask a person, he, the person says, well, I want to rebuke demons. I want to perform miracles and wonders. I want to see myself on a stage. These are all 
forms of popularity, forms of showing yourself, and uh, are not what God actually calls you to. And so he gives us a menu, and depending on what we choose, our, our election, then he calls us to the greater call. Upward call consists in the reward of our inheritance, identifying our calling contained in Jesus Christ, in the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ, in which the stronghold of life needs to be erected. This is the upward call, the resurrection of Christ, that won't just affect our spirit and fill our spirit and soul, but also will affect our body, will adopt our body. 2 Timothy 2, 19-21 Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who, who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Every one of them, every one of these vessels, uh, and are are elected or selected from this menu, as we are saying. Uh, and so some are choosing the ones that are for honor and others for dishonor. For example, if there's an accusation or a rumor, if I hear something, I instead of spreading it, I decide to destroy it or kill it within myself and not spread it on. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. 2 Timothy 2.19-21 We will remember that if in real time, in the house of God, which is the church of saints, there are vessels that are used for dishonor, then in the spiritual realm, in the heights of the heavens, such vessels do not exist. Therefore, vessels for dishonor in the house of God on earth is the category of the called who by the time of the harvest will mature in their lawlessness and wickedness, and as weeds will be pulled from the congregation of the chosen by God remnant. Therefore, if we don't depart from iniquity in which carnal men mature, always resisting all that is spiritual and trampling upon the sovereign rights of the chosen by God remnant, we will share with them an an unfortunate and disastrous fate. What does it mean to depart from iniquity? And so treating our menu is not just what we choose. I could just come up and say, I can ask, is there a king among us? And so obviously you can uh, you can uh, distinguish a king by the things that he likes. But if a person tries to trick uh, uh, the situation and that's uh, a form of iniquity that takes place so departing from iniquity means to turn back, reject rebellion or misconduct, acknowledge the order of the body of Christ not trust upon the assumptions of your mind, return to God, make yourself obedient to the word spoken by God's messengers turn your face to God return the holiness of the Lord return to the holiness of the Lord, put your relationship with God in order, recover what was lost in your relationship with God, die for the corrupt desires of the soul, dedicate yourself to God, place yourself upon the altar of the Lord. Considering the given consistency and meaning to depart from iniquity is such a nature of confession of the faith of the heart which finds itself in the works of righteousness, and the direction of the works of righteousness in demonstrating brotherly love in your faith consists 
in us forgetting the past and reaching forward to those things that are ahead to the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. That is the wonderful sixth <clears throat> component, forgetting the past, not relying or, or, or trusting in the, our prior victories, or and we don't boast about it or look at all of our failings and not condemn yourself for falling or failings that you have experienced or had. And we need to forget those things because they are in our way of receiving the upward call in Jesus Christ. It's in our way. Seventh, to demonstrate brotherly love in your faith, in the love of God agape, it is necessary to return to your neighbor the clothing that was taken by us as a pledge before the setting of the sun. Exodus 22, 26, 27. If you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. Not when he repents, because he needs to produce the fruit of repentance, and that ne- that requires time. But you may say, well, they need to apologize first. They need to say sorry to me. They need to produce a fruit of repentance. But you, that that takes time. But there are things you don't need to wait for in this case. You need to, ahead of time, before he does this, already forgive him. Or sometimes a person does not even need to produce a fruit of repentance because they never actually meant to offend me or knew that they did. For, for you ever, if you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. For if that, for that is his only covering, it is his garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? And it will be that when he cries to me, I will hear, for I am gracious. Exodus 22:26-27. During the time of the Old Testament. The clothing of a person apart from its direct purpose served the function of a blanket with which a person covered himself with when he slept. Such clothing in ancient times was of certain value and demonstrated the social status of the one who wore them. Only kings, princes, and certain wealthy people had an additional change of clothing, but those who would be known as middle class only had one set of clothes. Such clothing was part of the wealth or asset and was passed on as an inheritance, as Prophet Elijah only had one top garment, which by right became the inheritance of Elisha. Clothing was given to a neighbor as a pledge. This happened when a brother, as a neighbor, took a valuable item from his brother, but not having enough to pay for the item in full, he would give his top garment to him as a pledge. Considering that the commandment given at the time of the Old Testament had dual meaning, as apart from its literal meaning, There is a metaphor symbolizing the shadow of good things to come, as as it is written, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, Hebrews 10.1. Although during the time of the law, which for man was a tutor to bring him to Christ, the law had and kept eternal treasures containing the order of the laws of the grace of God. Therefore, clothing taken as a pledge from our neighbor is a more complex relationship or signifies a more complex relationship between a brother and a brother in the midst of the church of saints, specifically when one of our neighbors 
does us wrong in some way, then his clothing, in the form of his justification, becomes a pledge in our hands, and we can only return to him his clothing in the form of his justification by forgiving the wrongdoing that he committed against us before the setting of the sun. Ephesians 4, 26, 27 Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. We need to keep in mind that in our relationship with one another, we need to only forgive the wrongdoing committed against us of those neighbors who are included in the category of the chosen, as it is written. Mark 11, 25, 26. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Mark 11, 25, 26. You need to forgive your brother before the setting of the sun. And so by forgiving our neighbor, we... Uh, we pretty much, we continue this good relationship we have with God. How many, how much time does it take for you to repent? Uh, how much time does it take for you to repent for your sins? And so by the setting of the sun, we need to uh, return to our neighbor his clothing that is forgive the one that's offended us this of course does not include the lawless and the wicked uh, whom God has not told us to forgive if the wicked and the lawless per, uh, pe person or people who do not have the right to be called our neighbors wrong us we need to turn to God so that he protects us this is because they have long lost the previously received by them garments of justification. Therefore, there is, in fact, nothing to take as a pledge. Again, you can only take this outer garment as from a righteous one, but you can't from a, a wicked and a lawless. You can't forgive them. <clears throat> forgive is to return their outer garment to them, but to be able to return this outer garment, he needs to be able to have had it. But they had lost that garment of justification by these lawless and the wicked. And so there's nothing to return. You need to call upon, in this case, the name of the Lord for his help. Romans 12:19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To forgive the wicked and lawless means to not demonstrate proper holiness, and it means partaking in their lawlessness. We can determine who is our neighbor and who isn't by looking at the six above-mentioned characteristics of rebellion that we've already looked at. And so, let's remember how a person, where, when does a person lose the status of a neighbor? And so we lay down our soul, we laid our soul down for only our neighbors and not for those that are wicked or lawless. First, a person loses the status of a neighbor when he acts, acts rebelliously in the church. Second, when he 
re refuses justification by faith, when he rejects the commandment of tithes and offerings, when he rejects or refuses to not drink alcoholic beverages. This is not referring to those people who are suffering uh, because of their drinking. They don't want to do it, but are doing it. Those that are fighting this and hate it, they continue to be our neighbors. But these are the ones that lose the status as those who legalize it, like it, and don't see anything wrong. And so people who drink alcohol and others who may commit other sins, they all do it in secret. They suffer from the things that they're doing and they hate. Uh, he may take nicotine or whatever other things people do. Uh, he suffer If he's suffering from these things, wants to be rid of it, then he is our brother, continues to be our, our brother. A person also loses his status of a, a brother <coughs> or neighbor <coughs> when he does not acknowledge theocracy in the body of Christ and a person who ascribes for, for himself revelations that do not belong to him and perverts them for his own personal popularity and greed and benefits. This person also loses the status of a neighbor. This was the seventh. The eighth, to demonstrate brotherly love in your faith in the love of God agape, it is necessary to look at your neighbors as members of the body of Christ who depend upon one another to deliver the peace in which God rests himself. Ephesians 4, 13 through 16, till we all come to the unity, to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and from and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head of who is Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Ephesians 4, 13 through 16. According to the statements of the given place, we conclude that to demonstrate brotherly love in your faith by the means of all that is joined and knit together according to the effective working of every member where we grow as the body of Christ for the edifying of ourselves in love is something that happens when we leave the nature of infancy which does not comprehend the order of the body of Christ. We need to leave that nature again of infancy that does not comprehend the order of the body of Christ. An infant has a good characteristic. They love their mother, they understand her voice, but there's one element that an infant has that God hates, and that is one that is uh, attracted by various winds of doctrine that are inspired by deceivers who impersonate themselves as the messengers of God, who have ne but have, but who have actually never been messengers of God. The nature of such deceivers is made up of carnal leaders which are chosen either by the form of democratic vote or men who place themselves, relying on some kind of only known to them revelations. To test and to refuse to follow such emissaries of mammon is something that needs to happen by looking at fruits of their mouth. First,
It says in scripture that there was an image of the dragon who had two horns, but spoke as if a Christian, but he had the image of Satan. Such deceivers will steal revelations from the messengers of God and modify them and ascribe them to themselves, gathering to their own treasury, and will ascribe their faults to the messengers of God, casting shadows of doubt on the reputation and watering them with outright lies, accusing them of words and acts that they did not do. Second, such pseudo-leaders will draw people into various types of religious activities, encouraging them to do good work to which God has not sent them, teaching them upon their own personal streets, upon which they will demonstrate the rebuking of demons and various forms of false signs and wonders with the purpose to deceive them. Deceive the called. And of course, he also wants to deceive the chosen as well. He uses these emissaries of mammon. And the chosen, of course, or, or the caller, those that, of course, uh, that are still infants. And if the true calling of every person who is called to, to, God, to fellowship with God, the true calling of these people who are called to a fellowship with God is the fruit of their spirit, where a person is called to collaborate with the truth of the preached word and with the revelations of the Holy Spirit, revealing the truth in their heart to erect the stronghold of life within their body so that they become carriers of the heavenly body, then the calling that carnal leaders will be imposing to the blind that follow them will be evangelism, to which God has not called them. And even if he did call them to it, he did not call them in this way or by these means or by these methods. We will never be able to deliver peace to our neighbors by the means of all that is joined and knit together according to the effective working of every member if our calling will still be to do good work inspired by the flesh and evangelism, something that the apostles of Christ are actually called to do. Each one of us becomes a carrier of the gospel of the kingdom in the moment we become a light to the world and not when we satisfy our religious whims warmed up by cunning craftiness of deceitful plottings. And so for today we will finish. Right now we are going to pray and we call every holy person to this place who would like to restore their relationship with God that has been lost <clears throat> and whose heart has been wounded of all of the elements that we've studied pastor focused specifically on offenses that we need to be freed of these offenses in our heart well you may say there are many uh, wonderful things that we have learned today but he pastor specifically focused on offenses that we need to get rid of in our heart that this bitterness of offense leave our heart because if it is present against our neighbor that maybe acted wrongfully with me I can't come to before God's face I can't have a uh, satisfying and, and complete uh, and fulfilling relationship with God and so I call all the people here that would like to be rid of these offenses that want to leave their sins want to leave deception want to leave jealousy greed and all other forms of of uh, sins we wait for you here
I will be praying our prayer. And I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side. He's not against you. He has loved you with an eternal love. He has given you the work of his redemption. He has stood between you and your enemies to protect you and to lift you up to his level. Lift, uh, close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a symbol that your hands are without wrath or doubt. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you and upon this holy place in the church of your holy nation, I open up my heart so that you can see my pain, my suffering, my wounds that are inflicted by sin and lust, which I hate and that I refuse. I come to you with my illnesses, with my fears, with dishonor and a pampered dignity. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wounds, restore me, protect me by the blood of your Son. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May upon you and from you thousands and ten thousands not touch you. May the blessings of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be on you and may the old man be thrusted out of your body with noise and may the stronghold of life be erected in your body in its place. May all of this happen within you and your children and the nation shall say, Amen. Let us hear the word of God standing. 1 Corinthians 11, 23-32 For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Please be seated. I want to pay our attention to discern about the body of the Lord. To discern about the body of the Lord is who God is for us, what He's done for us, and who we are to God in Jesus Christ. And what do we need to do from our side to inherit all 
that God has put upon our account in Jesus Christ. Also, discerning the Lord's body is understanding that in the church, there's no positions in church. There are roles for service. And if we consider our role as positions of command or of, com- of being able to command others, we can't ver- worthily take part in communion. Also, to take part worthily is to value every saint, to love the saints, to have brotherly love with amongst one another, to be able to forgive one another. This is what it means to discern the body of the Lord. Who has the right to take part in communion? All people who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and absolutely those who have confirmed this in the baptism of water. To confirm is to put a seal upon a document of righteousness. And so all those saints who are in our church and are 16 years and older who were given the opportunity to make to be baptized but decided to instead become either holier or so whatever reason it is you are not wanting to should probably withhold everybody who is a member of the body and have confirmed it through baptism of water and are not uh, excommunicated or under warning of any kind are able to take part in communion. Let us stand and pray for the body. Stretch out your right hand as a symbol and pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the broken body of your Son. We pray, Lord, when this bread in the form of the body of Jesus Christ will be passing by your people, may we obtain your mercy and favor before your sight, and may the stronghold of death be destroyed in our body in weaknesses and illnesses and untimely death, and upon its place may the stronghold of life be erected, the resurrection and the youth of Christ. We thank you, Lord, and we receive your mercy in this bread. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And he took the bread, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Please be seated. The road that is approached, please stand and let each serve one another in the bread. And so for us to not lose time, if any of those who have forgotten let us read about what kind of contract we have with God 
and what the baptism of water, the significance of it, and let us remember what it's about. Matthew 28:18. And Jesus came to, and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that have commanded you. And so every time we uh, drink of the cup, eat of the bread, we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And what is this death? This is a death we're in. And to be in these deaths is to be in baptism, the baptism of uh all in all three of these baptisms in in the baptism of water holy spirit and fire and know the meaning of them the scriptures say that we baptize people according to scripture in the name of the father son and holy spirit that means that the lord wants to submerge us into himself into the father and the son and the holy spirit and he does this and all three parts of the Godhead are uh, participating in this in this work and so without the power of the Holy Spirit who gives us the ability to be submerged into the death of the of Jesus Christ and rise in his resurrection and so to be baptized in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit is not having first the revel- uh, a relationship with the Father and only then with the Son and with the Holy Spirit. After that, it is having a relationship with all three simultaneously, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Beginning with baptism of water, let us remember what does the baptism of water include and the baptism of ho- the Holy Spirit and fire. The baptism of water is when we demonstrate before God the seal of righteousness. I am righteous, but upon this document of righteousness, there needs to be a seal that I am righteous. And this happens when we are baptized by in water and being baptized in water, our names are then written into in heaven into the book of life. And when it is written into the book of life, we need to understand what it is connected with. At this moment, I make a covenant with God and say, Lord, I become a stranger. I die for my nation, for my Russian, Ukrainian, uh, German, <clears throat> any other nation. Uh, I die for my nation in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I become <clears throat> I become the stranger. And when does this happen? This happened, the first seal is placed, the holiness of the Lord. We, in this baptism of water, we receive the first, first seal, holiness of the Lord, for us not to lose this seal, because when we lose the seal, holiness of the Lord, our names that are written in the book of life are blotted out. And so we will talk about it a little bit further, uh, how our names are not to be blotted out. We need to then in the baptism of uh, within the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire to have our names written upon the white stone and that's when your names will never be blotted out of the book of life because what's written with blood can be blotted out by, by we ourselves are able to blot it out but what is written into the book uh, uh, or in upon this white rock cannot be blot, blotted out and so he took the cup after supper he said this is my uh, this do as often as you do in remembrance of me. 
He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Let us stand. Let us stretch out our hand as a symbol, and we'll pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the new covenant in the blood that has been poured out for the forgiveness of sins of many when the cup of the new covenant will be passing by your people and we will drink of it. We pray, Father, that may we obtain favor and mercy before your sight and may the stronghold of death be destroyed in our life, <clears throat> the genetical code that is passed on to us from our fathers, and may you establish your spiritual ge- genetical code within us and bring us to spiritual maturity and allow us to leave spiritual infancy that is attracted by various winds of doctrine. <clears throat> Thank you for this cup. We receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. That row that is approached, please stand and we continue to serve one another. And so this was the baptism of water. Now let's look <clears throat> so that our names be written upon the white stone. This is possible when we begin to uh, submerge into the death of the Lord Jesus and we submerge in the next, as- next act- aspect into the Holy Spirit. Here in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit not as a guest, but as the Lord and Master of our life. You say, well, how do you determine that? Remember how our pastor teaches us, is he a guest or is he a master? If we want to receive the Holy Spirit, just so I can speak in tongues, just so that I can prophesy, just so I can perform some kind of miracles and wonders, uh, perform healing, then we received him as a guest. If we receive the Holy Spirit so that we can produce fruits of righteousness, the character of Christ, then that means we receive the Holy Spirit as our Lord and our Master of our life. This is that Rebecca that the servant of Abraham came to take so that she can be taken from Haran. And he, he took all. He took Abraham from there. Then he came back to take Rebecca from Laban, from the house of Laban. And then he returned again to Haran, also to the house of Laban. And he took from his house uh, Leah and Rachel. Why? Because if we made the decision to be the nation of God, then we need to leave Haran. And Haran is, this is where this baptism of the Holy Spirit happens. When in the baptism of water, we die for the house, uh, for our nation. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we die for the house of our Father. If you remember that this is the place, Haran is the where the place of separation takes place, where you split and separate. And so Abraham split from his father. Laban said, I want the Holy Spirit to remain as a guest. Rebecca said, I want the Holy Spirit to be my master. Leah also, they both agreed. We, Leah and Rachel also agreed that they didn't want him as a guest. They wanted him as a master. And baptism of fire, it finally separates us from the old man and moves us to the status of a widow. And so the stranger, the fatherless and widow, the widow is we have we are kings and priests and prophets to God. This is the greatest status when we die for ourselves, for ourselves. And so we can die for our nation 
think, think we, and for the house of our Father, we need to die for ourselves also. We today talked about in order to pass from the service of condemnation to the service of justification, it's necessary for the ark of the Lord to pass over the land of, of the Philistines and condemn every bad characteristic that's in us. And we will be in shock of ourselves and say, Lord God, what is this? And we will bring it to Jerusalem. The, the altar will remain in Gibeon, but the ark, even today, before the revealing of the glory of God is already in Jerusalem. And how do we determine this? If we are disappointed in ourselves and not our parents and not our great-grandparents and hate just the characteristics may they, ha- they may have, if we see in ourselves, uh, they maybe did not destroy this in themselves, but I will destroy it in myself. I may not see all the characteristics in them, but I see the characteristics in myself and in Adam even, all the way from Adam, to see these bad characteristics and want to be rid of them. And we need to do the work. And so anyone who may have been accidentally passed by, if not, I will ask everyone to stand, and we will finish with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.